today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to turn our attention to a, a, a tragic situation uh, that is ongoing, as a matter of fact. Yesterday, uh, finally, the grand jury in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, rendered their verdict in the Brianna Taylor uh, case. Uh, she was, of course, the uh, long, young lady who was shot to death uh, in her own house, unarmed, by the way. Uh, three police officers uh, were involved in the death. Uh, they were charged to a certain extent. Uh, only one of them actually faced charges. The other two, who were actually apparently, according to the uh, report, that were actually responsible for Brianna Taylor's death, uh, walked away. No charges, no nothing. And as you might have expected, and we saw the pictures on this over the last uh, 18 or 24 hours or so, uh, the streets were filled with protesters, not just in Louisville, but in many other American cities last evening. There was some violence and some some protests that were going on and some confrontations. So uh, I want to give you the scene setter for what's going on here, because it was just hours after the three officers involved in the shooting uh, were basically released from jail. One of them was booked. The other one, of course, the other two walked away. Uh, Violence in the streets. Jim Ryan was on the scene. This is his report. Angry protesters took to the streets here in downtown Louisville after a grand jury returned an indictment that Breonna Taylor's family called outrageous and offensive. Hours later, two police officers were shot and wounded. The chief says both are in stable condition and one person has been taken into custody. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Louisville. Very troubling situation, especially if you've seen some of the video, what was going on on the streets there and and, uh, and the violence that was occurring. Uh, and by the way, uh, we should also mention that uh, that state's an open carry state. So uh, you saw people walking around with automatic weapons and long rifles, etc. That's legal, apparently, in some states and certainly legal in uh, Kentucky as well. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Dr. K- Timothy Bryan, assistant professor in the Department of Sociology and Social Anthropology at Dalhousie University. Uh, doctor, a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time today thank you no problem i remember uh, the summer of 67 and the summer of 68 the summer of discontent with uh, the race riots in detroit and watts etc mm-hmm. uh 2020 is going to go down in a very similar vein and that's that's a tragic tragic story but uh, we're seeing way too much of this yeah and and and, and as you mentioned uh, this is a recurring seems to be a recurring thing um i remember just not too long ago 2015 2016 Um, We had the sort of first incarnation of Black Lives Matter protest activism uh, around the shooting deaths of unarmed um, black men in the United States. Um, And now in 2020, we see um, the same concerns and the same actions uh, reoccurring. So it's it's very disturbing. Uh, There's a pattern. And and I know that uh, with the George Floyd uh, killing earlier, the early part of the summer, of course, uh, that seemed to be something that sparked an awful lot of the unrest. But your point's well taken. This is not a new uh, problem. This has been going on for some time. I and mean, we can go back to Ferguson, Illinois, and been, sadly, we can recount an awful lot of these things. Charlottesville goes on through, back time and time again. Uh, Yet you'd like to think that, that as a society, we'd look at this and say something has to be done about this. And there are voices that are calling for change and calling for reviews and calling for, for, for those that are responsible to be held accountable to situations like this. Yet here we are. We don't seem to have moved the yardsticks at all. That's right. Um, it seems like we are sort of caught in, in what seems to be a never-ending cycle of, um, of, of encounters where black people are, are dying at the hands of police. And of course, and, and the list of those deaths uh, runs long. And already we've seen in uh, 2020 the death of George Floyd. And of course, this, the case of Breonna Taylor is a shocking one to many because 
um, there should not be a way in which somebody is killed by police in their own home when they are not the subject of a police investigation, when they have not broken the law. Um, it, it, is, it is outrageous. And there is concern about the ways in which policing and criminal justice fundamentally interacts with black communities in ways that don't have a concern for the care of black lives um, at their core. And I think that's what we're seeing in the protests, is that concern that, that policing is being conducted in a way that doesn't see the lives of black people, whether they are suspects, whether they are bystanders, whether they are community members, whether they're simply in their own homes, as, as valuable enough for concern. Well, maybe because there are an awful lot of people down there south of the border who think there's nothing going on here that's, that's totally off, off base, including the guy in the White House, sadly, but we can get into that in a second. But there, let me ask you about some of the particulars on this. Now, of course, we don't have the grand jury testimony. I know that a number of people are asking to see the transcripts uh, about this, about ballistics and things of this nature, and there's an awful lot of questions and not so many answers at this stage. But, but the, the essence of it, of the, the story itself, uh, you know, they burst into the house, uh, we're told this was a no-knock warrant that was issued, yet they say they knocked anyway. Uh, They talked to some of the neighbors about this. Apparently, one guy said that he heard them say police. Ten people said they didn't hear anything, Uh, yet they took that one guy and say, well, that's the corroborating evidence. That in itself is troubling. Uh, The fact that the only guy that was charged was a guy who was charged with wanton misconduct because some of the shots that he fired went into neighboring places, apartments, as opposed to that one. Yet the, the, the people that plugged eight bullets into Brianna Taylor walk away say this was justified I, I i that's i think that's the head shaker right here nobody understands exactly what kind of rationalization went into that right and that's exactly and that's exactly it and that's what is concerning because i think we we expect to live in a society where where we think that uh, there should be accountability and responsibility for actions especially actions that take people's lives um and and what we see here in this case is that it seems as though um, police officers' claims that they were following, uh, that their actions were within the bounds of the law, or that they were following procedures seems to be enough to discount um, what we can all see. It's plain and clear that someone has lost their life for, for a matter that had nothing to do with them. Uh, and, and I think what the takeaway is, I think there's a really important takeaway even that's, that's much broader than the specific case of the killing of Breonna Taylor. It, it's the series of decisions that law enforcement in this particular case has made um, to create a condition where this encounter takes place. Um, so, so you're absolutely right. There is dispute about whether police identified themselves. Um, but what we do know is that police showed up at Brianna Taylor's residence, which was not the residence of the individual who they were looking for. We know that the police show up at this residence at 1 a.m. in the morning. We know that um, that Kentucky being an open carry state, that residents are permitted to have firearms and are allowed to discharge those firearms in, in, in cases where their safety is at risk. So when police forcibly enter into someone's residence at 1 a.m. in the morning in a state where people are allowed to have firearms for safe self-defense, a condition is a circumstance is being created that can lead to the deaths of people. And this is something we have to be really, really careful about um, and concerned about, not just in policing in the United States, but also the decisions that police officers make here. 
And again, some of the the explanations that uh, that the, the Attorney General was giving the, the Kentucky Attorney General in, the, in his media conference after were were just they were head shakers. Uh, you mentioned it was a botched investigation. They shouldn't even have been in that house, or let alone breaking down the door. Uh, and and his explanation for that was, well, the officers on the scene were not responsible for the bad investigation. Well, somebody is. Right. Yet they don't seem to want to pick up that ball. In, in other words, this thing was, was bad from the get-go. Uh, yet they're, they're doing everything they can to simply r- brush this under the carpet and just say, let's move on. I mean, the officer that was charged with uh, wanton uh, uh, behavior by firing into other places, I mean, that, that's a slap on the wrist. That's, that, you know, that's not going to happen here. There's somebody who's dead now. Uh, who is a total innocent bystander, unarmed, who's seeing somebody break into the house, like you say, in the middle of the night. How do you think you're going to respond? If you have a weapon there and somebody bursts in, you don't know if it's not a home invasion. You have no idea what's going on. So, of course, they they, they open fire on them. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And and, and I think the most and, – and given all of those circumstances that I just relayed, I mean, perhaps the most troubling and the most concerning one is the fact that the primary suspect – who was the subject of this no-knock warrant of this entire investigation, was already in police custody at the time that they entered into Breonna Taylor's home. I mean, which further underscores the point that this interaction should never have taken place. And and this is the, the concerning thing here, is that if, in fact, this should never have taken place, then we need a sense of accountability and acknowledgement that this should never have happened. And that has not been forthcoming. And the, the larger concern that I have is that is, is, is the potential that this kind of situation is replayed over and over in other encounters between police and pe- members of the community, where the concern for the safety of community members is not being taken seriously. And, and that instead what we have is problematic, shoddy, incomplete or botched police work, which cannot be accepted as a reasonable standard of policing. And, and the cover-up, and let's face it, let's call it what it is. I mean, some of these cases, there are cover-ups. I mean, you know, the recent shooting in, a shooting in Kenosha, same situation. That's on video. And yet we saw stories on social media saying, well, he had a gun. No, he had a knife. He was reaching for a weapon. And just to try to justify the, 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 the actions of, of something that was definitely uh, the wrong thing to be doing at the wrong time in situations like that. Yet, there, as we mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, Professor, there's a, a, a segment of the population that, that will buy that hook, line, and sinker and think this is okay. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that that is another disturbing pattern that we've we've seen um, in the wake of many of these um, police um, interactions, is that um, we see a, a pattern where these these deaths occur, and then we have a concerted effort by police officers um, to attempt to cover up the story or to, to change the facts or to frame the situation in ways that fit their own narrative. And I think that this, and, and that is one of the, the, the the stumbling box for reform is that if police are legitimately concerned with their interactions with the public, then and 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 want to repair them or to shift them or to change them, it starts with honesty. But what we see here is that there's a lack of honesty even in the moments following these 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 events, um, and and we see it repeated. There's a pattern uh, of this, and we can think back to the shooting of Walter Scott. Um, where where an officer claimed that his he was his life was in imminent danger, but yet you know after investigation it turns out that Walter Scott was shot in the back, 
a number of times, 10 to 15 feet away from the officer. So we've seen this before. We've seen this before. I don't know where this one's going to end up. And as everybody has said, too, I mean, the the response to this is not to to have the kind of violence we had on the streets last night where two officers were shot. Uh, But, you know, I I think people are getting awfully frustrated with simply saying, well, we'll wait. Uh, They don't want to wait anymore for action on this. And I can understand, uh, you know, that they're just about at the end of their their rope when it comes to situations like this. I I got about a minute left here. But the reality here, Mm -hmm. though, Professor, is what's what's called for here is leadership. And, and when you got a guy in the White House that, that turns his back on this and, and actually endorsed the, uh, the, 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 the verdict yesterday and said, oh, he's a good man, that's a good thing, uh, you know, the, uh, there are good people on both sides of a situation, uh, that, that's making a bad situation worse. Exactly. I think that that's, that's exactly right, is that you need leadership that is able to honestly um, and, and fairly assess a situation and to name things that need to be named so that, you know, situations can be improved and that we can move on to to futures that are much more equitable than they are now but when you don't have that leadership whether that's in the white house at local levels at state levels um, or within the ranks of policing um, that leadership is needed at every level in order for us to uh, in order for situations like this to be addressed and, and and to move forward well we'll see how things develop over the next 24 hours or so especially uh doc professor as always thank you so much for the time it was a pleasure having you on the program today no problem thank you very much take care dr timothy bryan of course assistant professor at uh, dalhousie university the bill kelly show weekdays from nine to noon on 900 chml